Why do some businesses thrive and dominate their markets for decades, while others make a quick rise but are brought swiftly to their knees? Today, I speak with Peter High. He is the author of several books, including Getting to Nimble, How to Transform Your Company into a Digital Leader. He is a highly sought-after speaker, a Forbes columnist, and a consultant for some of the top CIOs in the world today. He is going to dive into the top business techniques for innovative leaders in the digital era. I'm your host, Leah Siener, and this is Digital Adoption. Hi, Peter. Welcome. Hi there. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. I'm so happy you're with me on the podcast. Um, I was just checking out your book on Amazon, so I know you're going to share some secrets from there. But before you tell me more about the book, um, I really want to hear what your goal is um, as an expert, as someone who you know helps companies really transform their businesses successfully on a digital level. When you come into a company and when you meet with an executive team, what's your goal? What are you looking to do? Well, a few different things, Leah, and thank you for your, for your kind words. Um, a few different things. Number one, our intent is always to understand where are they beginning this journey. No two organizations uh, begin the journey towards t- digital transformation from the same place. And mm-hmm. so a, a key ingredient in the, in the initial stages is to understand how far have they gotten, uh, whether intentionally or unintentionally, as the case may be. Um, and especially, and, and, uh, on top of that, it is actually good to understand the intentionality. Do they have a strategy associated with it? Do they have a breakdown of the activities associated with the people consequences, the process changes, the technology changes that are necessary, the broader ecosystem that they need to bring together in order to, to breathe life into this, and ultimately, the clarity of their plans, uh, their strategies, and so on. But also to understand how pervasive is this? You know, IT and digital not so long ago was the domain of a single organization, a, a, a division of a larger company, so long as it wasn't a, a technology or digital company by nature. Right. And as such, the preponderance of talent and thought around technology and digital capabilities were happening in that, that pocket. And today, right. uh, that has changed dramatically, and it's much more pervasive. And so also kind of frankly understanding um, how engages the rest of the executive team? How engages the rest of the company and, and cognizant of the changes that are happening and why? Um, and then ultimately, the, the goal is to help each mature, make sure that their practices that they're putting in place will in fact help them get better relative to, to each of these areas, as well as to help them get on a path towards sustainable success. You know, the, the pace of change has never been faster than it is today, and it will never mm-hmm. be slower than at this point forward. And so as a result of that, if you do not have a, an ability to change, a willingness to do so, making that essentially a cultural attribute, well, the, then the consequences can be fairly dire fairly quickly. Yeah, 100%. I love what you said in the beginning that the, this, type of, this type of business move used to sit in one isolated pocket, the IT you know, department. Um, and one thing that we've really noticed in our company in working with so many different enterprises that are really figuring out, okay, how can we nail this digital transformation thing? What's going well and what's going wrong is that the CIO in general has just become a much more strategic role. Um, and there's like no more IT silo. IT is front and center right now with, you know, business driven changes and strategic changes and decisions and investments. So I really love that, that you, that you pointed that out. I think that's a really great point. And yeah, it's very cool that you're, you know, you're, I listened to your podcast and I was like, whoa, you're talking to some really amazing CIOs and CTOs and 
like, you know, people in really big companies that are making probably incredibly strategic decisions for massive amounts of people. And one thing that I, I heard you say was that, you know, people, the people side of the strategy is like the first the first area that you address. I know it's the first area you address in your in your book. And I heard you talk a lot about that. And when I was just sifting through the, you know, episodes on your podcast, I saw that that was a really big, you know, um, a really main point that you made is like, how do these digital changes affect people? So that's also something, you know, that we really talk about a lot at our company. And <clears throat> I would love to hear, you know, from your own experience, your own career, when did you get into that mindset where this was something that you wanted to really dive into and become a champion for successful, you know, uh, digitally equipped businesses. If you have any like aha moments, you know, throughout your career that led you to get here, I'd love to hear it. Yeah, I was really fortunately uh, one of the first companies that I advised and, and mind you as a low man on the totem pole, so very early in my career, <laughs> yeah. was a bank in South Africa called Nedbank, still exists today. Okay. And their chief information officer uh, was, this is in the, uh, this would be 1997, was also the head of innovation for the company. And that is remarkably progressive for that time period. CIOs definitively um, around the world were leading support organizations on average within the companies they served. Mm -hmm. And so that was a remarkable aha moment for me that this leader uh, recognized that he had a strategic perch within his bank and as leading technology um, had an ability to influence not only the internal operation in profound ways, but also customers' experiences in profound ways as well, mm -hmm. and made the case in with the change and progress that he was able to marshal in taking over innovation for the entire bank. And what was interesting, Leah, is it would, it would be quite some time before I saw a lot of examples like that. I would see it in pockets here and there as I worked with a, a whole range of leading CIOs around the world at, at companies of consequence. But it, it would certainly not be the average. One could argue even today that uh, what I've just described isn't necessarily fully blossomed on the, in the average organization. But right. just as you say, what's been really um, key is with more examples of executives like that gentleman I just referred to. Yeah. Um, now I think there's there's a better idea as to what good looks like, and, and more CIOs who are aspiring to not only impact the bottom line of the profit equation through efficiencies and cost savings, but also the top line of the profit equation and revenue augmentation and better customer experience and and yes. so on. And that really, I think, is a, a, a wonderful sign as to the influence that this role can have. So, but that, that way back when at the early, early stages of my career, that was a significant aha moment as to what, what really was possible. And in many cases, I was really trying as I climbed the, the rungs towards more senior levels uh, in my career, uh, attempted to influence with the, with the technologists that I was advising. Yeah, that is, that is really pretty revolutionary to think about that in the late 90s, that a CIO was like, already kind of seeing the other side. Hey, I can get in on that side, not just back here. Like, do you remember why he and how he was doing that and how that had come about and what kind of things he was doing on the on the innovation side for the bank? I, lo I love that story. That's great. Yeah. I mean, it was a combination of things. He, he had a force of personality and <laughs> a great ambition and a clarity of vision that I think really was compelling for the rest of the organization. And likewise, he was fortunate to be in an executive team who recognized him 
uh, and recognize that, that, that vision, that ambition as something to tap into. So I think it really was right place, right time and, and right executive and right executive team um, yeah. that in, in many ways that helped drive that forward. Because, you know, Leah, it's not as though he could say, look, every other company is doing it this way. Why aren't we? Right. I mean, fr- right. frankly, it was the opposite. And so it, it could be a conversation that would be shut down fairly quickly by saying, what you're suggesting is by no means de rigueur. And so why would we go down that path? So fortunately for him, that wasn't that wasn't the response as he made these sorts of proposals. Yeah, which isn't, you know, isn't luck. And it's something I think also for executive teams to remember that now everyone is doing it. So you have every reason to jump on the, uh, you know, innovative digital transformation kind of train, but that also it takes, you know, it takes being, I think, somewhat, um, agile and let's say nimble and willing to, you know, experiment and do things a little bit differently. I think that you definitely see those are the companies that end up being ahead of the curve. The ones that aren't waiting for everyone else to be doing it. Um, Yeah. Well, I'm glad that he did that because it clearly inspired you as well. And it's also, you know, pretty good uh, insight and foresight that you saw then that that was something really, you know, valuable to, you know, see what he was doing and, and, see to aspire you know to to uh, continue that i love that um all right so tactically speaking you know you're really you have your hands dirty in companies that are going through these major transformations and i'm sure hitting you know oftentimes very common probably bottlenecks and common issues and no one talks about it because no executive team wants to let on to their competitors that they're struggling let alone with with technology um so without naming names, you know, I would love to hear if there are some universal kind of digital transformation and even more uh, specifically digital adoption challenges that you see are really common among big companies. Yeah, so I think um, one of the biggest issues that we see across a lot of organizations is not recon- recognizing the cultural element of mm-hmm. the ch- these sorts of changes. It is not comfortable for any of us to change. That's not our, our that's not the orientation we crave. We like routine yeah. as human beings. We like routine. We like yeah. to start our day the, the same sort of way with the, the same cup of coffee if we're coffee drinkers. And, and we seek, we seek comfort and, and draw comfort, frankly, from routine. And there are a great many, uh, organizations. I tell the story in the book of the, the uh, Standard and Poor's 500 index here in the United States. The company that had the uh, best performance on the S&P 500 for the 1980s was a company called Circuit City. And they were an, an electronics retailer, uh, consumer <laughs> electronics them. retailer. You remember them? Yes. And they, uh, you know, they revolutionized customer experience. They had a remarkable sales staff who were able to kind of upsell. You go in for a television and come out with a VCR and, you know, peripherals that would help you with the sound for that television and so on. They, uh, the windfall from that meant that they were able to start other companies. CarMax, a big uh, car retailer here in the U.S., uh, was born out of the company, among others. And then in 2001, they were featured in Jim Collins' best-selling book, Good to Great, uh, one of 15, I believe it is, companies that were profiled as wow. sort of having a secret sauce to going from good performance to more sustainable, great performance. That was 2001, and the company was liquidated in 2008. And that is, in many ways, I, I won't get into, we don't have time to, to, to go through all of the reasons for that, but Part of it was a lack of willingness to change, uh, mm-hmm. sticking to their knitting way too long, and mm-hmm. other competitors of theirs passed them by uh, as a result of that. Yeah. And so it, it is critically important, going back to the very first theme that, that, that you underscored as well, uh, of the people and the culture aspects, cultural aspects of this. You know, I asked yeah. uh, the Google CIO, 
um, of, of about a dozen or 13 years, Ben Freed, um, a couple of years ago at a conference we were both speaking at in Mexico. You know, how has Google maintained its entrepreneurial spirit despite becoming a behemoth? And he yeah. said, the thing that we do best in many ways is make change a core competence. And I think that's such a great lesson. It's easier said than done. Those, those, you know, the, what, what it requires in order to bring that to life isn't nothing, right? It's, it's, it takes a lot of hard work to do so, but it's something to strive for, I think, for all of us. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think that's really kind of one of the, 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 the significant aspects of what determines whether an organization can make the necessary changes to truly digitally transform. Yeah. And what do you see, you know, what do you see helps a company culture be open to change? Like what are, what does that look like on the ground? So I think it is like learning more stories like the one of Circuit City uh, and other mm. many, many other once stalwarts, once, once great leaders in their industries that are no more. Um, yeah. And to diagnose why was it that those, that, that, that each of those companies, um, you know, became extinct and yeah. What, therefore, if they were once not just good companies, but outstanding, great companies, then why can't this happen to us? We all need to be humble enough to recognize that the future is not, you know, isn't going to be presented for us at our feet. We need to, to we need to re-earn uh, every year and, and even more frequently uh, continued success. And that means an ability to recognize that what got us here may not get us to the to the future. It may, may not be the same rules that apply as we go forward. And so really, I mean, one of the key, uh, a key thesis for my book and the whole process of getting to nimble as the name, as the title suggests, is ensuring that you are uh, developing the right practices to be sure that you that yours is not an organization that is the anchor keeping the boat uh, held back and 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 keeping it from pivoting when necessary, but rather the engine and the rudder that steers it towards opportunity and away from danger. And yeah. there are some practices that the best companies have employed in order to do so. And so I'm I'm super passionate about ensuring that more companies recognize and understand what those steps are and and put those into place so that they can achieve greater levels of success. Uh, despite the fact that uh, in this day and age, startups are coming fast and furious for for almost all businesses, it seems. And so thinking and acting more like a modern digital business, even if you're a digital immigrant, as I refer to them, those born before the digital age, that is companies mm. born before the digital age, very mm -hmm. important for you to, to make the necessary changes in order to sustain that success. Walk Me Elevate is back and you are invited. Hi everybody, I'm Brittany Hillard, VP of Customer Engagement here at WalkMe, and I'm excited to invite you to our annual event dedicated to helping professionals develop the skills they need to thrive as a digital adoption leader at their organization. Last year, we brought together over 500 DAP professionals from all over the world. And this year, we are opening up the event to any individual interested in learning more about the digital adoption industry. So if that sounds like you, then join us on July 28th and 29th. You can register now on walkme.com. I was speaking to someone a few nights ago for, on the podcast, and he brought up such a good point, which is in terms of experience, in terms of you know being able to translate the consumer experience into the employee experience, that that's now the standard. Someone can't go about their life in this very digital, easy way where they buy their groceries online and they buy their shoes online and they order their pizza online and they, you know, fill out their forms for their bank online. And then they come to work 
and they have to use the fax machine and the photocopier and they have to hand fill out everything. And, you know, or even if everything's on the computer, but it's like the slowest, most manual, like worst digital version and nothing's easy to do. It's like, we can't ask that of people anymore. You know, the, the consumer digital experience is so high now that the company level has to catch up because like you said, startups are coming for everyone. And, and I think also, you know, as individuals for employees, there's just going to always be at this point, you know, an easier digital experience at another company. Um, if you're good at what you do and your work starts to be annoying because the way that you work is not easy and is not intuitive and isn't enjoyable, then you're going to be able to find another company that's going to give you a better experience. It's like the employee experience has become very competitive, um, digitally speaking. Hmm. Very well said. Very, I, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> And it's, and, and, you know, it's, it's this device that kind of changed everything. I'm holding up my, my iPhone. I, I recognize we're doing, only doing audio here, but oh, yeah. the, the iPhone, the iPhone, it, you know, really changed everyone's expectations. All of a sudden, you know, it wasn't that long ago that you might go into a CEO's office and there wasn't even a computer. Um, I wow. remember those days not that long ago. And now it's not, again, as I mentioned, all, on top of that, the people that understood technology were all in the IT department. Yeah. Now we all are technologists to a degree. Doesn't mean we all understand computer science or that we would uh, be A students if we went back to get an engineering degree. But our, uh, you know, none of us would, would be able to argue effectively as, other, as many tried to not so long ago that technology is really the domain of the people I don't understand. And I'd probably, I'd prefer that they only speak when they're spoken to. Uh, now it is the, it's the lever, quite frankly, um, to really put a fine point on it, it's been one of the key determinants, all things being equal, as to who's been more resilient during this current crisis and who hasn't. Uh, it, those, those people, those organizations, that is, that have digitally transformed, were able to lean on digital revenue streams, were able to gauge the, the digital health or the health generally of, the op, uh, of their operations, could engage with customers digitally at a time when they would be much more reluctant to do, do business with, with, with anyone in person. Uh, and so... It's been it's been really uh, although of course I wouldn't wish this to be a pathway towards it we're seeing right. a lot of technology and digital leaders who had had long gone unsung and now people are singing about singing their praises uh, justifiably totally yeah there were digital offerings made I think throughout the pandemic that beforehand they might have thought would have taken you know a year two years to get their their consumers to you know get with the program and. I think because of lack of choice, things just happened overnight. Um, but it definitely was eye-opening in terms of seeing how much more willing people are to engage digitally and to kind of change, which is, you know, what we were saying is there's so much resistance to naturally for human beings. But I think that people choose change if it's easy. I think people resist change if it's hard, you know? So I think like that's really... because. On the one hand, everyone hates change. On the other hand, if you give someone a, you know, an obviously easier option, eventually, even if it takes a little bit of time, but I don't think that much time, they'll take it, you know, because we like easy. So I think it's also, you know, when, when you look at uh, companies that are trying to get their, their workforces, you know, 10,000 people, let's say, to shift a, a process in their company, if you can make it easy you'll get them. <laughs> if you want them to change and do something harder, you know, good luck. 
<laughs> you know, so I think it, a lot of it comes down to experience, the digital experience that you're offering your workforce, you know, if this is, if we're speaking to business leaders. Um, okay, what else is something important that I wanted to ask you? Oh, well, before I forget, I would love for you, for our listeners to know, um, if you could kind of break down, you know, I'm sure you've done this enough times by now, but kind of break down for us, what can readers look forward to in getting to Nimble, how to transform your company into a digital leader? If you could kind of summarize like, uh, you know, uh, uh, what, what that looks like for people if they're interested in reading it. Sure. Um, let me use the S&P 500 again as an example. In 1958, Great. a company that was on the S&P 500 uh, would likely, on average, remain there for 61 years. Today, if you are on the S, if your company is on the S and P 500, it's closer to 15 years to be your average mm-hmm. tenure. And that is just a remarkable story of creative destruction on the one hand, but also of remarkable innovation as new companies have taken the place of the old stalwarts and grown rapidly in order to do so. And so as with that as the backdrop, again, uh, um, offering a bit of a note of, note of caution, there are ways in which organizations can make this change. I tell the stories of companies like Domino's Pizza, a company that's based in Michigan that sells pizza for goodness sake, not a, not a uh, stereotypical technology organization that was you know, doing okay. They weren't on the verge of bankruptcy or anything, but they also were kind of languishing. And mm-hmm. they improved their product first and foremost, which was an important, important step in the process. But they also went through a radical uh, digital transformation that allowed customers to interact with the company in the manner they chose, as opposed mm-hmm. to the manner that was dictated to them by the mm-hmm. by by Domino's themselves. And um, I tell a number of anecdotes as the steps they undertook. And they, since 2010, have a better stock performance than Amazon, Apple, Facebook, or Google since 2010. So wow. an 11-year period. And wow. they and they have just really taken off uh, during the pandemic for, for the steps they've taken to enable the ability to safely deliver uh, or or or, or um, otherwise give give people pizza in a way that that is that is safe to do so. Um, you know, I, I tell the story of the Washington Post. Um, I'm joining you from Washington, so my hometown paper, but an international paper as well, and. Uh, an organization that was like so many media properties really being hamstrung. So many of their advertisers going to the likes of Facebook and, and Google uh, and readership down. And again, a great leader, in their case, a guy named Shailesh Prakash uh, as chief information officer, reoriented the way in which the organization thought about the digital experience and made the mm. digital experience for the paper and the analog experience one. He brought them together, whereas they had been on parallel tracks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he really solved a number of significant issues in order to improve the experience for uh, the company's employees, especially the reporters, the people who, you know, uh, provide the greatest value at the organization, but also readers as well. And now the the organization has been thriving uh, and on a growth path and all the, with all the statistics that have been heading in the wrong direction, almost all of them are heading in the right one as well. So I tell stories that I like to believe are accessible. It's all well and good to talk about like the, the, the biggest and best technology companies, but how, you know, can, can any organization accomplish what, what they can? No. Right. But you certainly right. can emulate a pizza company, can't you? In order to mm-hmm. go from a position of, of you know, uh, uh, going from issues to a position of strength. And I talk about and diagnose the steps in order to emulate uh, those kinds of companies. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think that the, you just nailed it. It's like, you don't have to be a technology company to um, absolutely utilize technology for your business. And um, 
So that's awesome. That's great. I'm looking forward to reading it personally. That's great. Okay, Peter, I know you're out of time. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It was so nice to meet you. Likewise, Leah, I, I enjoyed it very much. I appreciate your thoughtful questions and uh, I, I hope that we can, can keep in touch. Awesome. Thank you. Have a great day. You, you too. Have a nice evening. Thank you. And stay Bye. safe. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye.